Good morning. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. Good morning. Greetings. Um, so I have what I think is like primarily just like a chessboard interpretation question. Um, and like with the change I'm getting from like pre and post intervention. Um, so I have, I feel like you get a decent amount of people that have like very significant X like ER orientations where like if we're speaking of the hip, like zero to five degrees of IR greater than 50 ER. Um, or even like I've got a girl right now, a softball pitcher, she had a UCL repair and she's got like 140 degrees of external rotation in that shoulder. Sweet. Um, I feel like with a lot of them post whatever intervention we do initially, I get the IRs back fairly easily. Um, but the ER does not really drop off to any appreciable degree. Okay. Is that something that like, I'm not getting a, like the favorable outcome, like I think I am, or is that ER orientation at that point, potentially more of like a, like a bony adaptation that's just going to take more time to like unbend. So like, it would make sense that I get the IRs quick, but then the ER should drop over time. Okay. So it, when you say, when you say ERs dropping, Think about what relative motion would be. So relative motion would be the ability to superimpose the IR on the ERs, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, let's say you got a like 50 ER, 5 IR to start. You do a little whatever, whatever, right? You do some intervention and you get 50 ER, 30 IR. That looks pretty good. Do you think it's the same 50? No. Okay. So that's what you have to determine. Right. right? And then how do you, how, how, here's your test question of the day there, young man. How, <laughs> dude, I've been up for two hours. Uh, so I'm ready to roll. Um, no, so so think about this for a sec. How, how are you going to determine whether you have a relative motion change or you have a structural influence that is not allowing that number to change and you have an orientation. How to determine if it's relative motion versus, uh, would just be my other measurements besides just the ER and IR? There you go, right? So you, gotta, you, have to look at, you have to look at your other extremity measures, right? Because the it, it, again, if, if you got you got somebody that is getting closer and closer to the textbook average, right? Yeah. What your intention is, which means you have access to ER and IR, right? Right. At the same time, which is what you should have. So so again, just because the number doesn't change in your measurement doesn't mean it's not coming from a different place, right? Yeah, it's just a little bit of perspective shift. But yeah, yeah. So, okay, so here you go. If, if you got 50, 60 degrees of ER, no IR. Where's the, where's the ER coming from? Um, either spine or like just the orientation of yeah, it. It's, it's, it's going to, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's probably going to be a lot, of, a lot of the spinal influence, okay? When you take an ER measure, a normal old school hip ER measure, okay? Is the spine involved in that measurement? 
worthless. Of course it is, right? It's like the question mark is how much, right? Is the anomaly in included in that measurement? Absolutely. Is the hip joint included in that movement? Absolutely. What you're measuring is the contribution, right? So you do a 50 degree of hip ER and you say, oh my gosh, this is all spine. He's just turning towards me as I'm taking the measurement. Okay, cool. Do something, something. Now you go 50, 30, and then you get and you go, well, that ain't the same 50. Is the spine moving as, as you take that measurement? Most likely. How much? Probably less than before, because now I probably got some anomalous movement that I didn't have before. I get some hip joint movement that I didn't have before. And now I have my combined 50 degrees. You see it? It's like that's what you got, that's what you have to figure out. But 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 the your best confirmation is hey, I'm gonna go up to the upper extremity and see what happened. Yeah, so that, that's what the other happen. other side, I'm gonna see what happened. That, that's that's kind of what I had to do with this softball player because she she was like 140 and like she had like 60 degrees of IR on that shoulder. And then it was like on the right side hip, she was like 50 degrees of ER, zero IR. So I guess, I don't know if my interpretation is correct, but like I basically, I didn't want to use the right shoulder IR because it, it just seemed like too dirty. Like I was still checking it, but it just seemed really dirty to have that much IR in the shoulder and not the hip. Mm -hmm. But then like we did some soft tissue like around her elbow and it was actually pretty, she got like 30 degrees of hip IR after the elbow soft tissue, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, but see, it's not funny, is it? No, it's, it's, it's funny, but not funny. <laughs> But then, like, I guess I was trying, I was using the right hip IR more than the shoulder IR to see if I was getting it because that, that just it's a little bit more trustworthy, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but don't ignore it, but don't ignore that, that magnified measure, right? Because it's giving you, it's giving you a, a representation of the orientation, right? Yep. And, and especially with an elbow, you get the axial changes you got to have that first anyway mm -hmm. right because it's going to just going to trickle out into the extremity yep so that's pretty see that's a really cool thing um on on multiple levels it, it just shows you the systemic nature of how this stuff works right when you when you make a so think about this it's like um try to convince somebody that their elbow is the limiting factor in their hip impingement <laughs> How do you do that? You alleviate the elbow stuff and then you show them that the hip is better. I mean, that that's that's pretty cool. But you, you've got this system that's that's going back and forth. It's like now you say, oh, so here's the situation that's that's um, promoting this elbow thingy in the first place. Right? So yes. arm care takes on a whole different meaning in throwers. For sure. You start to look at this stuff. All right, awesome. That's a helpful, helpful way to look at that. Just yeah, you just gotta get like when whenever you get in a pickle like this and you're not sure, look at look at the other stuff, mm -hmm. right? Because you because this this is this is why having a representative model of the relationships is so important because it does provide you guidance. Because if you just looked at the hip, which is what old school structural reductionists maybe they talk about regional interdependence, they go joint above, joint below, but then they don't tell you why. Right. Um, but but you start to look at these relationships and then you look at how reestablishing the relative motion in one segment influences everything. Now you have propagation, you have propagation of energy throughout the system because that's the goal, right?
Good morning. Happy Tuesday. I have Neuro Coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. A very busy Tuesday coming up as usual. So we're going to dig straight into today's Q&A. Uh, this is with Dante. Dante's taking an assessment course and they're looking at they're looking at movement obviously. And so they're trying to determine what these representations of ideal movements would be as they teach them. So this is pretty typical for school where they're going to say that this is a right answer and this is a wrong answer. And one of the things that we have to understand about movement, which makes it very, very difficult, is that movement is emergent, which means that structure and movement options matter, context matters, because what would be ideal in one situation for a certain person may not be ideal for another person under the same circumstances. The way that we're gonna understand this um, and learn to manage these situations is through experience. And so this is a matter of getting a lot of experience so we recognize a lot of situations so we can take into consideration physical structures like archetypes so we can take into consideration what the options would be within a specific context and then we learn to manage probabilities under these circumstances so trying to chase a singular ideal so let's just say good posture for instance which would which doesn't exist or a singular perfect movement which doesn't exist we have to understand that this is a management situation and experience is going to be the big player here as far as our ability to understand these and then protect people from themselves and then still raise levels of performance. So thank you, Dante. Great topic of discussion. Everybody have an outstanding Tuesday. I will see you tomorrow. Dante, I think we have time if you're still there. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I wrote you an email last week and I... Uh, receive your reply this Monday. Uh, it's about the traditional PT scenario seminar. Uh, okay. Remind yeah. me. You, you, yeah, it's about the movement pattern. Okay, go ahead. Remember? Go ahead. You said, you said, Dante, if there's one thing that you should understand, is that, is that, okay, I get like 4,000 emails a day. Okay. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. It's not 4,000. It just feels that way sometimes. And then I answer them in sequence and I don't always yeah. remember who I'm talking to. Okay. <laughs> but you have okay. to remind me. <laughs> okay. So uh, I ask that is because I joined a seminar, a really PT seminar. Just like, you know, if you are a PT, you need to assessment someone's movement pattern. For example, if you do a forward bending, uh, the yeah. PT will see the curve on your thorax, on your lumbar, and on your hip, and mm -hmm. they will compare. Maybe you uh, flex too much on the lumbar, but uh, too less on your hip, and they will say, okay, you lay off the hip uh, flexor, and uh, sorry, you, you lay off the hip flexion. So uh -huh. in that case, the PT normally we'll try to teach the right, right movement pattern. Uh -huh. Just like flex your hip more and uh, uh, keep your lumbar relatively straight. Yeah. Uh -huh. So that is a traditional uh, mean of the movement pattern. And I asked you and you tell me there is no right, no right movement pattern because we need more uh, uh, 
uh, movement options, right? Correct. We need more movement options. Correct. But uh, I, I totally understand uh, yeah. what that, that means in your model. But yeah. I still have the question about, but if we do some, just, just for example, we do some, the, uh, some weightlifting or the weightlifter movement in the gym, for example, for press or uh -huh. deadlift or squat. Uh, there must be, there must be a most effective way for a specific person, right? They will find a way, yes. Yeah, they will find a But how to find this way if there is no standard of the movement, if there is no good or bad. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how to teach someone to find the uh, most effective way to do all this lift um number one you, you're gonna have to make a you you <clears throat> a comparative standard it's a range of of behavior it's not a single behavior okay yes right so when we yeah. talk about when we talk about external rotation space mm -hmm. it, let's just use a squat okay like a back squat or something like that somebody's yeah. performing a back squat how far apart should their feet be? Uh, maybe same, same width with the shoulder. Well, what if it's what if it's two centimeters wider? Is that okay? Yeah, what's a range? What if it's two centimeters narrower? Is that okay? Yes, it's a what range. If we turn it out. What if we turn their toes out two more degrees? Is that okay? Yeah. So there's a range. Like like in your head, you go, oh, it's just it's like somewhere in there. Yeah. So this is where experience comes into play. Okay. Right. So, so we have to give credit for that. It's like, it would be really nice if we could standardize every human body into the same mm -hmm. standard, but we can't do that. We can't do mm -hmm. that because certain people have certain shapes that will not allow certain things to happen. Right. And, and literally it comes down to execution. And then what's the, what is a, a, good representation of that is it just the execution of the lift without pain i don't think so but but you have to give you have to give credit to exposures and experience because depending on what the intention is um we would accept different things under the circumstances so um if you were a power lifter and you were at a meet Okay. What is the intention of a powerlifter at a powerlifting meet? Lift uh, more weight. Lift the most weight possible and get at least two out of three white lights. Am I right, Sandy? Mm -hmm. yeah. Gotta have gotta have two out of three. Meatloaf. Two out of three ain't bad. Okay. So so that's the intention. There's, there is a limit on the technique that they will allow you to use, but under many circumstances, you're gonna see some of the world's ugliest deadlifts in competition. Yes. Because frankly, they just wanna lift the heaviest weight possible. They're not terribly concerned about perfect execution. Okay. So that's a representation of somebody that's, that's willing to go outside of a standard, right, for a purpose. When we're talking about protecting people, um, 
there are there are generalized guidelines like we wouldn't want somebody to do a a strong rounded back back squat because the potential for load on certain elements of the system increases the risk that you're going to you're going to promote damage right but there's no absolute perfect way to measure whether they're in some magical safe position either so you got to look at a lot of squats and then you evolve a representation of what you think is optimal under the circumstance and then that's what you coach and then you have to learn how to adapt mm. that concept to different body types this is why i'll never listen to a 20 year old coach they can be really smart they can be very intelligent they can repeat a lot of information but they don't have the experience to apply it consistently in the gym. That's why they should be working underneath somebody that does have that experience so they can borrow some of that experience, gain some of their own and develop their own representation so then they can become a good coach as well. This is why, this is why your best coaches have gray hair, right? Or no hair. You ever notice that? It's like when you become a really, really good strength and conditioning coach, you're, you essentially go bald. And then you have to grow facial hair as a compensation. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like all the great straight coaches, like shaved head, maybe a goatee, maybe a beard. Is Rick is Rick on the call? Rick, Rick's, Rick's, Rick's got a shaved head and, and a beard. He's probably on the call somewhere. There, there you go, Manuel. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. I, I, you snuck in there. That was great. Um, no, it's like, it's like, the, 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 there is not a singular representation that is optimal. You will develop a, a range that, that you, you deem access, or acceptable, but it, but it has to be evolved over time because there are so many possibilities and there are so many options. But you will, you will evolve a standard, right? But this is, where, this is where a lot of dirty words come in because people can't break away from that concept of the singular ideal because they don't have the experience to do so. And so then they throw around jargony words that sound great, maybe were useful at one point in time at some point in your career, but you gotta be able to break away from that. You gotta, you gotta have developed the experience to apply this in a specific context for a specific type of individual. Cause I can guarantee you that Sandy's squat and Michelle's squat and Ian's squat don't look the same. Yeah. But each one of them can probably perform a very acceptable representation of some type of a squat at some point in time, right? Yeah. Then you so again, you just have to deem what is acceptable under the circumstance, and then you apply a a a stronger representative representative model that you've evolved in your head, and now you can start to manipulate parameters and fine tune each person's individual execution so they stay within an acceptable range, because they're never going to squat the same way twice. We know, we know this for a fact that you cannot duplicate a movement exactly. Yes. Okay? So it always has to be arranged. The, the question mark is, is like, how much signal do I have? And then how much noise do I have in the system? Right? Yeah. 
So it's unfortunately not this one cool answer. Like trying to chase the one is an exercise in misery for the practitioner and for the client because the client can never do it. They'll never be able to do it. Yeah, I know. There is no assertion. What's yeah, that? There is no... I mean, there is a, there is there isn't a certainly answer, but this uh, this answer is really be a hot man, I think. <laughs> so, it, 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 this comes from the this comes from the fact that that people are very uncomfortable with uncertainty. They want an absolute school. School teaches you that the correct answer is one of the five answers under the question. So it's either A, B, C, D, or E, because they put the right answer on the page and they say, pick which one's right. And so then we learn that there's a right answer, which is absolutely wrong in the real world. Okay. The right, I, answer, I think... right answer evolves. It, does, it is not absolute. I think I already get used to it too. We did after I follow you. <laughs> okay, uh, if, if, sorry. If anything, if anything, I hope I hope people get more comfortable with the uncertainty. Good morning, happy Thursday. I have neuro coffee in hand, and it is perfect. <laughs> Uh, last call, you were talking to to Alex about the, the bunion bunion at the at the pelvis, and I have my my client with the pubalgia and the, uh -huh. the problems at the pubis, and I'm just trying to understand because I need to get some sorts of muscle muscle orientation around the around the pubis to let go, just not just to relieve some some pull on his pubis so i'm trying to go elsewhere other than than around the pubis because it's painful there so i'm just looking at the at the foot because we said like the bunion at the pelvis is where the concentrically oriented it, it would like the 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 external oblique is and the the rectuses, of course, and add I'm talking about the foot, boss. Oh, okay. So down to the foot, go down to the bottom of the foot. Look at concentric orientation for me. Abductor pelvis. It so the so the toes going towards midline. Uh no, he's he's not he's not like he doesn't have a bunion just yet. But I guess he has the same, like what I'm thinking is- He doesn't he, have a bunion. So we're not talking about someone with a bunion. All right, all right. No, because I okay. thought the, the same muscle orientation would be in place, just the, the bone hasn't yet uh, yielded to the, to the degree, but it's now pulling the pubis apart or the- Okay, so, but, but, so we're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't have, so you don't have a concentrically oriented vastus medialis yet. All right. Do you? No. Okay. No. So then you don't have a concentrically oriented uh, internal oblique yet. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. 
So you have concentric orientation of, of EO, you got concentric orientation of VL, you got concentric orientation of abductor pallasus brevis. All right. You see it? All right. All right. Yeah. yeah. But you don't, like I said, you don't have concentric orientation of adductor halysis. You don't have concentric orientation of vastus medialis. You don't have concentric orientation of internal oblique. Do All you right. Because Do you understand? That would that would be the 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 bunion forming there. That would be a bunion, but you don't have it yet. All right. All okay? right. Yes, sir. But it doesn't mean you're not going in that direction. It just means that you don't have to worry about that stuff yet. So chances are this guy has more knee bend than he should have, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. VL, EOS, abductor, halysis, brevis. Mm -hmm. All right. Got it. Got it. Trying to trying to undo the twist at his metatarsal uh, femur and up there, it would it would actually be the lumbar spine. Okay, where 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 does he have tension at the at the pubis? What is creating the tension on the pubis that is trying to rip it apart? So, and so think about this for a second, okay? I want you to think about an e. You know what I should do? It would be really cool if I had a pelvis representation here. <laughs> Might be helpful. All right. So, so it hurts right here? Yeah. Okay. Is there anything that's attached in this general vicinity that we might be concerned about? Rectus. Keep going. Uh, rectus, eos, inguinal ligament. Okay, stop right there. Cool. Okay. If I pull the ASISs apart, okay, right. if I pull the ASISs apart, what's happening to the inguinal ligament? Which way is it turning? It's ER, ER. It's ER here. Yeah. It's IR here. Yeah. Because it's fixed. I just twist it like this. So it starts to, so I'm pulling it apart and it's doing that. So, it, so I got the IR attachment here. I got an ER here. You see it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when I get to the knee, when I get to the knee. Oh yeah, that's the, the, the IR. There's my twist. Okay. All right. All right. So All it looks right. just like the foot. It looks just like the knee. You see where we're going? Yes, sir. Yes, okay. sir. So if I want if I want to take that tension off of that, what yeah. do I have to do? Yeah, I have to bring the a ASIS is closer. I have to correct. So so I have to go from this ER pelvic representation towards the IR pelvic representation, don't I? Yeah. Yeah. That's how you take the tension off of that. All right. All right. Like athletic pubalgia, sports hernia, um, all of those things fall into the same representation in most cases. All right. You All almost right. never, I, I can't think of a situation where I've had somebody refer to me with a sports hernia that was not massively ER'd. All right. All right. And okay. yes, sir. Yes, sir. And looking at the, because the, the proximal femur is all the way ER'd, uh, the, 
the adductors might have a play here as well, which are pulling the, the, the pubis apart because of the concentric orientation position. Are they the, concentrically oriented? So the, I, I guess they are because of their. So that would be an IR representation of the pelvis? Oh, okay. Which yeah, I'm you, looking at you the can't blindly there. say, you can't blindly say adductors because they're not doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm looking at the, so, the ER portion of the. Okay, so we have to distinguish when, when, when you say adductors, what are yeah. you talking about? Because there are, there are some of them that are concentrically oriented. There are some of them that are eccentrically oriented. Yeah, I was, I was thinking like the pectineus and the- uh, Okay, that's a whole different world. That's a yeah. whole different world. Don't blindly say adductors, right? Because that, that's where you start to get in trouble because everybody makes an assumption that, that they do a certain thing and you know better. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So yeah, I was, I was thinking like the pectineus and, and, and those who are more ER biased, but I know the, the, the IR part of the, of the magnus would definitely be eccentrically oriented because it's not helping to IR. Correct. Okay. Now, now you, you've got a couple of things. Um, you can't go after the pubis because it's sensitive. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't mean you can't promote the shape change, but now you got to start thinking above and below. So now you need, foot, you need foot contact, you need knee position, you need shoulder girdle position, and you need a pump handle that moves. All right. You don't have a moving pump handle right now. Yeah. 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 And? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I need, I need the, the IR representation everywhere, basically. So, and for the, for the pectineus and longest, like I was thinking about soft tissue work, I could promote a, a expansion at the at the pubis if I if I work them distal to proximal and try to all right all right yeah. that's the right idea yeah all right. you might have, you might have to go up into the thorax all right do the same uh so all right that would be the the pectoralis think, think about this for a sec let's say you make the favorable change at the pelvis yeah and everything goes great. You get your IR back. Yeah. He stands up. Everything looks great. He walks out to his car. And then he comes back the next visit and he goes, he goes, I felt great when I left, but by the time I got to the car, I could feel it again. Yeah, no, no, no foot contact and yeah. Oh, up like the, the it went up. It went up, it bumped into something, came right back down. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. Okay. You understand? Yeah, the, the wave couldn't propagate all the way. There you the go. Way. It's it, Yeah, it, it literally hit a constraint and bounced right back down and it, and it promoted the, 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 it went right back to the ER shape change because it, it could not superimpose the, yeah. the, the, yeah, the IR on the ER. Mm -hmm. The IR. Get all it? Right. Yes, sir. And all right, yeah. I for for the for the thorax, the the all the pump handle work and the muscle energy techniques could could work there. So okay. 
thank you. You get you get too big. You get too big of too big of an ER element to the wave. Yeah, yeah. And especially if you, if you don't if you don't get this, if you don't get this. All right, and that makes sense. Why he cannot do it by himself every time? Every time the the only changes we get is by manually manually getting the irs back like with the with the soft tissue stuff around the pelvis because every time he stands up that's exactly what happens probably because he's just squeezing from the top down and cannot 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 get that all right all right understood thank you sir Good morning. I have Neuro Coffee in hand and it is perfect. And then what do they do when they fail? Annette? Yeah. You know, do you know why they fail? Why? Because they are they are tied to a singular frame of reference and a singular system and a poor representative model. Okay. Yes. It's limited. It doesn't make it not useful. I use I use those principles all the time because they are very, very useful in context. But if that's all you have, yeah, if, it's if, if, it's your, if it becomes your religion, mm. that's a problem. Yeah, they can, they can become very rigid. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so they, they are imposing a limitation upon themselves. That's why you, you hear me talking about like, stay away from the system. It's like, like, doesn't mean that it's not useful information. Just don't marry it. Don't marry yourself to a singular system. They are all designed to fail. You just don't see the failures right away because you sucked before and it gave you something that made you a little bit better, right? And then you go, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm going to dig right into this. And this is all I'm going to do. And then that's the mistake. Yes, I agree. Thank Great you. Great depth, no width. Right? Yeah. One perspective versus thousands of perspectives. That this is this is this is the big challenge is to continue to expand your, your perspective as to what is possible. People just don't know what's possible. Right. That's that's the limitation. That's the limitation of every model. That's why that's why they're models and not reality. Right. Because we just don't know what all the options are yet. Yes. It, I'll, get I think it, it, I'll get off my soapbox. I'll get off my soapbox. 